buying stock is already hard enough sometimes, but sometimes we can do some thinking to make it way easier. And today I wanna to share with you a very simple principle and insight that I think will help you think about your stock market investments in a different way choose better investments immediately as a result. You see, so many times as investors, it's so easy for us to get caught up in the numbers, in the data, in the financial reports, in the earnings calls, in the headlines, or whatever Jim Cramer is saying to buy or sell at a given moment. The principle I'm talking about is pricing power. Welcome to Stock Stories. Hi, my name is Alex Mason. I'm your stock storyteller. On this channel, we're focused on helping you decode the business behind the stock and decoding investment principles to help you go further, faster. The thing about pricing power is that it's a very simple principle, right? But it can reveal so much about a business's future prospects. Now, let me explain. Pricing power is simply a company's ability to raise the prices on its goods or services without seeing a corresponding decrease in the volume of how much it sells. For example, if I'm selling chocolate bars for $1, and then I say, you know what? I think I could probably sell this for more. I think I'm gonna raise the prices by 10 cents or 10%. So now the price of the chocolate bar is $1.10. Now, would you not buy a chocolate bar from me because it's $1.10? Or are you just gonna pay the $1.10 and move on with your life and enjoy your chocolate? I'd probably just take the chocolate. You see, Hershey makes chocolate bars, they make Reese's peanut butter cups. They make all sorts of wonderful, delicious things. Now, Hershey can raise its prices by, say, 7 8 even 10% in a year because people are willing to pay for their intellectual property. That's really what you're buying, right? Because a Reese's peanut butter cup like this is just a piece of chocolate with some peanut butter filling in it, right? But if you put this special bright orange wrapper on it, it becomes something else. It becomes this beautiful brand that you and I are willing to pay more for than if we go down to the gas station or the convenience store and we buy a generic piece of chocolate. This especially works well if the price of the goods or services that the company is selling are low in nominal terms. For example, in the Hershey example, $1.10, that's not really going to break the bank for most people. But if a company like Harley-Davidson raises the prices of a motorcycle from, let's just say, $10,000 to $11,000, that extra $1,000, that might be a hit to your pocket. So you might think for going out and buying that bike. Another example is a company like Louis Vuitton Moe Hennessy. And this is a company that I've covered in the past. Louis Vuitton Moe Hennessy is this massive luxury conglomerate that's able to raise prices on its various brands year after year. Now, why are they able to do that? They're able to do that because people want that Louis Vuitton purse. They want that Hennessy bottle. They want that, well, actually, Dior perfume or cologne. They want that specific brand name because it gives them a certain feeling. So that intellectual property element is what allows businesses to raise prices. How does this work? Okay, if a company is able to raise its prices, that leads to higher revenue, which leads to higher margins, or at least maintaining good margins. Strong pricing power is consistently more profitable. And this is great because as investors, we want profitable companies likely to go higher and higher over the years. I'm gonna put some of this on, you know, gotta, gotta smell fresh. <laughs> now this doesn't work for every company. 
some companies simply aren't able to have this level of pricing power that they need to in order to offset the drop in volume that happens when consumers see that, oh, this is more expensive. Now, one example of a company that doesn't have strong pricing power now, Procter makes a lot of consumer products like Crest toothpaste, Tide laundry detergent, Pampers, Gillette razors, all sorts of things, all sorts of wonderful, wonderful products. And don't get me wrong, this is a very profitable company. The issue, though, is historically when they've tried to increase their prices, the volume of their products being sold goes down. So they're not able to really increase that revenue just by doing price increases. It's a struggle because if they lower prices, the volume increases a little bit, but not necessarily enough to offset the fact that they decrease their prices. So this is the problem with pricing power with certain types of businesses where the brand power just isn't quite strong enough in many instances to compare to say like the generic brand that's on the other end of the aisle at the grocery store. Another example of companies that have trouble increasing their prices easily are companies that are very cyclical or they're in the materials sector or the resources sector. One example of this is a company called Alcoa and Alcoa stands for Aluminum Company of America. And this is a company that's responsible for a large amount of aluminum production in the United States. They've been a big player in the space for several decades. The problem with the business like Alcoa is that it's a very hard business. You're creating a commodity essentially. And the price of that commodity, well, we don't really know what it's going to be tomorrow or next year or five years from now. With commodity products, the customers will just say, well, you're selling me this certain type of aluminum. I'll just go to this competitor and buy that same type of aluminum for a cheaper price. I don't really care. I just want the lowest cost provider. The same thing goes with gasoline and oil. Do you really care if you fill up your car at the Exxon station, at the Shell station, or at the BP station? If they're the same price probably not much of a difference there usually other factors are involved like convenience if you're driving home from work or something like that but the actual brand doesn't mean that much as it does in the case of say like a hershey or a louis vuitton now we can see this play out in the actual stock appreciation of these different companies let's go ahead and look at them real quick now we can see hershey here Hershey stock is up 90% in the past five years, very strong growth. And this is a company that consistently can increase its prices again and again and again. And consumers are just not going to care because we expect that prices are going to go up over time, especially during times of inflation like we have right now. Now let's look at another one. Now, as far as Louis Vuitton stock, over the past several years, the price is up significantly. It's up over 131% over the past five years. Now, this is due in part to the fact that the company has a lot of great luxury brands that they can increase prices on over time. Now, let's look at that example of Procter & Gamble. So with Procter & Gamble, we see, okay, the stock has returned a decent amount over a period of time. They returned 58% over the past five years but not a massive amount of shareholder returns there. So good company for sure, but they just don't have that same level of pricing power. That's not their competitive advantage. Now let's look at Alcoa. Company of America. Okay, so wild ride for this stock, right? It's a cyclical business. 
It's up 76% over the past five years, actually. But look, we had to endure, if you were a shareholder in Alcoa, you really had to endure some really steep declines in the beginning of 2020. That stock price was all the way down to $6.55. And then it went all the way up at the beginning of this year or earlier this year to $90. And now it's all the way back down to 52. So massive price swings for a company like this. This type of stock is more dependent on the cyclicality of the commodity that it's producing. Now, don't get me wrong, there are many other aspects to making a good investment decision than just looking at pricing power. I just wanted to share with you a single principle that I thought was really important and something that helps guide me in my decision making and in my analysis. So think about that. The next time you're evaluating an investment, think about this question. Can the company easily raise prices? And the answer to that question is yes, you might have something there. If the answer to that question is no, you might be relying on a different type of competitive advantage in order to justify that kind of stock purchase. Now, we just looked at a couple of different types of companies in different industries, and we see that they have very different characteristics as far as their returns are concerned. I put together a video not looking at different types of companies, but rather different types of investors. I actually believe in my analysis that there are five different types of investors and they each have their pros and cons depending on what their style is. Now you can go ahead and check that video out right here, but I will see you on the next one. Thank you so much.